This is Curl Up with a Cat Tale, and I'm Gwen Cooper, the New York Times bestselling author of numerous cat-centric titles, including Homer's Odyssey, A Fearless Feline Tale, or How I Learned About Love and Life with a Blind Wonder Cat, Spray Anything, More True Tales of Homer and the Gang, and The Book of Possum, Head Bonks, Raspy Tongues, and 101 Reasons Why Cats Make Us So, So Happy. We're here to celebrate all things feline and to tell inspirational cat tales. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tale with Gwen Cooper. I am Gwen Cooper, your host, and delighted, as always, to be here with you today. Coming up later in this episode, we will be speaking once again with Francesco Marcelliano, author of I Could Pee on This and Other Poems by Cats, and most recently, Oh, It's You, Love Poems by Cats. Um, if you are listening to this the day that it airs, then you still have time to order a copy of Oh, It's You, Love Poems by Cats, for the cat lover in your life ahead of Valentine's Day. Um, And I encourage you to do so if you are looking for a last-minute little gift for a cat lover. Excuse me now, I'm going to cough. (coughs) I may as well mention here that apparently I am still dealing with COVID. I actually feel fine, but I do have this persistent cough, and, and it's an irritation cough. It's not a congestion cough, so I'm not worried about it. There does not seem to be anything wrong with my lungs or even my throat. It just, I cannot shake this cough and and talking makes it more irritated. I'm I'm restraining myself with only the greatest difficulty right now from coughing again. Um, and I do want to confess that the, I brought Francesco on the show today for two reasons. Um, actually, kind of the same reason that I just there's only so much I can talk right now, and a lot of that is is the physical malady of this persistent cough that I have that that becomes much more pronounced when I am talking. And the other reason is is just the stuff with my mom um, really has me just kind of mentally enervated right now. I'm I'm sort of I don't want to say basket case, uh, but those of you who have elderly parents and have been through some of the the physical or mental health issues or or both, um, as is my case, know how how quickly all consuming it can become it's it's become very difficult for me to remember what my life was like as recently as a month ago when i of course thought about my mom and i talked to my mom almost every day but her well-being was not my top of mind concern and and right now it is and that has made it a little bit difficult to focus on other things. And so I am incredibly grateful to Francesco for having agreed to come on the show today to to help me um yeah fill fill the podcast and I just find him a very easy and entertaining person to talk to and I hope you agree when you hear the interview. One thing I should warn you about up front though. Um and and again I don't I don't know where my where my head is these days. Um I went, I attended Emory University. Uh, Francesco, I recently saw him looking over his bio ahead of his appearance on this podcast the other day. Um, went to Duke. There is a mild sort of rivalry between those two schools. And so I tweaked him probably more than I should have. It's, it's a bad habit, Lawrence. And I have here in our home. Um, we are fans of insult comedy. And while we do not consider ourselves to be insult comics per se, we tend to, uh, as, as we put it, we, we, we break balls a lot in this house. Um, we, we mock each other pretty gleefully, um, with intense, intense affection. It, it is actually one of my favorite things about us. But anyway, the point being that, I sometimes bring that same energy to conversations with other people. And my my point is that if you went to Duke or if you are in any way affiliated with Duke University or if you simply have an affection for Duke University, I absolutely meant no offense. It is an amazing, amazing school, R- truly one of the best colleges in the country, without question. And I was really just ribbing Francesco. It was a little bit of playful ribbing. Anyway, so with that out of the way, I am going to take a brief break of about 30 seconds or so. And when we come back, we will be speaking with Francesco Marcelliano. So sit back, 
relax, and stay tuned for more Curl Up with a Cattail. for sticking around. I am delighted today to actually welcome one of our very rare returning guests to this podcast. You will know him best as the New York Times bestselling author of books, including I Could Pee on This, Poems by Cats, You Need More Sleep, Advice from Cats, and most recently, Oh, It's You, Love Poems by Cats. Uh, please join me in welcoming back to the podcast, Francesco Martigliano. I believe I pronounced that correctly, but please do not hesitate to correct me if I did not. That was actually remarkable. I think I've said this before. Last time we did, I, I can't believe twice I'm here. Uh, last time we did this, <laughs> I did say, I think you pronounce it better than I did up until about the age of 18. Well, in, actually, in fairness, I'm much older than 18 now. So, <laughs> just saying. Well, so am I. <laughs> but uh, no, years ago... I would say, I'm saying years ago, but now I'm beginning to think, eh, 15 years ago, I was ordering something from, you know, B&H Video in New York? No, my husband probably would, but it it, it may be like before my time. Thing. It's a classic place, and uh, you have to put your name into the order. The little carts go overhead. It's like if you were a kid in the 60s and this was your version of the future, like, it's the futures now, you know, just right. little, <laughs> not that old that I was a kid in the 60s. But just carrying around. So you said my name. I said, and I said it as I always did, which is Marceliano. Okay. And uh, Gemma said, how do you spell it? And I told him. And I was because B&H is, because it's closed on Friday nights through Sunday morning. It's an ortho, mostly an Orthodox Jewish-owned company. So this elderly Orthodox Jewish man just stops typing. He turns to me and goes, you know you're mispronouncing your name, right? Do you even know how to speak Italian? It's like, No. <laughs> And he just told me how to pronounce it. And then he told me about Italian history and about Italian thing. I'm like, this is fantastic. I'm I'm never getting the telescope. I asked for my friend, am I? But this is a great lesson. <laughs> you know, I, I'm laughing because as, as a Jew, I will say that that know-it-all-ism is a, a very <laughs> common trait amongst my people. Um, I, I am at times afflicted with it myself. Now I, I know what you're thinking, but Gwen, you are so charming and, uh, how, how could this be? Oh, and, oh yeah. Oh yeah. But Gwen, you're, Gwen, you're, I said, Gwen, all right. Take it easy. I should, I should say right up front, by the way, that, that Francesco is kind enough to join me today. Um, I basically pleaded with him to do so. Those of you listening at home or wherever you listen to my podcasts know that that it's um, been kind of a dicey time for my family the last few weeks. And I, I just really have I, I had like nothing in my head to talk about today. Um, but Francesco and I seem to we we seem to have a good rapport. We we seemed to to do well in our conversation the last time he was on the show. And of course, he is one of the most delightful cat dudes I know. So I figured I would just kind of, um, yeah, you know, I feel like now that I'm explaining it, I may have ki killed what whatever is going to happen here today. Now, now no, we're not no, no. going to we'll anything to talk about. It'll take about 30, 40 minutes of silence, but we'll slowly get to it. It'll be fine. Welcome to the four and a half hour podcast. of. Well, I actually have a, now this is not about cats, but it is something that I saw when I was looking over your, your bio this morning. Um, this is not something I, I included. Actually, obviously, I gave you a very cursory bio because once you've already been on the show, you know, when you come back, you don't, you don't get the whole build up again. That um, makes perfect sense. Right. You know, because because who cares? But <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you know, usually I did, just introduce people with their initials on the second. Time, right? and, let, and let the listener guess who I'm talking to. <laughs> but I, I, I did note in your bio that you went to Duke University. Is that true? Is that correct? <laughs> that would be weird. I'm just going to lie about my college. No one can check those things. Uh, yes, yes. I you see, so you went to do. I went to Emory. Um, these are two schools that are frequently referred to as the Harvard of the South. But I think, and and this could be the first topic of discussion. I think we could both agree that Duke is clearly inferior to Emory. Would Would you agree with that statement? I, I was waiting. Well, I was going to follow the ellipses there. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
I mean, sure, surely you, you know don't what? have you to were agree. About that... Derailing the podcast earlier. I, I mean, I don't. I don't like to use the word pretentious too very often, but I feel like the pretensions of Duke <laughs> alumni who who try to claim some sort of parody with either Emory or Harvard is what's the word? Oh, about? now, oh, now there's parody with Emory. It's not just the Harvard thing. It's like, can you even aspire to be Emory? Well, I, I Emory mean, is a remarkably good school, obviously. Yeah, obviously, Duke is not uh, right. I, I'm really, I, I'm just kidding. I, by I, the way, <laughs> I am just kidding. Oh no, I, this is I, 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 I a long-standing rivalry that. between these two schools, or or at least rivalry. You know, because Emory, God bless our hearts, has no competitive athletic teams, or did not when I was there. Um, so so the rivalry is not like the the typical sort of sports based rivalry that one might find between two schools. It really is just um a bunch of people who didn't go to Harvard, but, yeah. but somehow trying to argue how they went to how they had a Harvard like experience. It's funny because I was in a bar once, well more than once, but uh, I was in a bar once and um it was the hat I found. It was a Duke hat. I'm not in. I'm not in the habit of wearing like a Duke shirt or a Duke hat. You know, uh, I imagine you're wearing Emory right now. But uh, <laughs> I'm in the habit. and I'm just sitting there in complete strangers. And they, uh, you know, Duke's the devil. They're evil. I was like, I'm sorry. And that was my answer. He's like, I'm sorry. Well, I'm from Michigan. And I went to Michigan State. It's like, okay. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> and because it was a sports thing. And the thing is, I don't usually connect with sports. And I was like, it's like, okay, that was stupid, but thank you. <laughs> and just... I completely understand sport rivalries and everything like that, sport ball. And when I was there, Duke got close to winning, and I used to watch Duke games, and it was fun. I haven't seen one in a long time, but so I have no idea how the team is doing. I What I can say is I really enjoyed my time there, and I really made friends who I'm still very close with. So that's the most important thing. I would actually agree with that. I would say that that my my closest friend to this day is my closest friend from freshman year. Like the girl that I met the first day in the freshman, you know, her room dorm room was two doors down from mine. Um, I, I guess that's proving, you know, the old adage like like the way you get rats to breed in captivity is you just put them in the same cage. I, I, I think it's. I, I always feel that human nature operates on along very similar lines. Um, but definitely said so that my my friends from the, the freshman dorm are are still among my closest friends for sure. Very very much so. I mean, a couple friends we started during the pandemic. We would talk every Sunday on Zoom, and we've been doing this for close to three years now. So tomorrow morning at eight o'clock, I'm talking to a bunch of friends that I've been doing this for three years that I've known since freshman year. And when you're saying the rats in the barrels, like, is, is she going to talk about the story from Skyfall where they had the rats eat each other? Is that... <laughs> no. No. No, no. I said how they get rats to breed in captivity. Oh, you know, I thought that at the end, but it was like, we got the rats in the no, 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 no. Although I, we should probably move this slightly back in an animal direction. I, I'm actually, <laughs> I will ask you, you know, so when we last spoke with you, Oh, It's You um, was new and, and it had just come out. I'm always curious to speak with other cat writers about the kinds of things that you hear from other cat enthusiasts, cat owners, cat, you know, cat lovers, the people who buy your books. I'm, I'm assuming you get emails and or or hear from them on social media, and I'm just wondering what what that's like and what what points of connection they report finding in your writing about cats. No, I mean I've been lucky that at least the people who do not like the book haven't reached out to me. Um, but yeah, then I mean, you're luckier than I am. I, what? <laughs> then you're luckier than I am. <laughs> No, no, no. I get that with my comic strips. Just okay, fair enough. The other way around. But it's but with the book, it's usually like, oh, this is my cat. I really love the poems. I've read the other books. Or this reminds me of my cat. Or I often get pictures of their pets with the book, which I absolutely love. And if anyone wishes to send me that, I absolutely adore that. And I always post it with your permission. But uh, yeah, I mean, it usually it, it's a matter of connection. Like this is so much my cat. But I think also sometimes I've lucked out with some of the poems that people go, it wasn't so much my cat, but also something in my life, because sometimes the poems are my experiences just through the prism of a cat. And do you, do you have a poem that that you have found tends to connect, you know, to to be the one that that readers call out most frequently to you, or or mention most frequently when they write to you? 
It really actually depends. It's not one in particular, which makes me happy because it's a series of poems. Okay. And um, so it really is. I mean, the one that I will hear the most is the title from the first book because it's the easiest one to call out. And it's the one that uh, was a, a poem that I saw that sometimes I get credit for, a lot of times I don't. And then someone will be nice enough. I find out because someone says, oh, this is from this book, was actually from my dog book about dogs once being wolves until they found couches. It's like, okay, screw that. We're gonna... That's not the way the poem goes, but that's the essential thing. <laughs> Uh, I, I've got rhyme and meter. I know how to work this a little bit. <laughs> I, I, I mean, even though you went to Duke, I know you understand what the technical definition of a poem is. I mean, Here's you can always so just look at, that up. At Duke, I majored in English, which did not make my parents cry. It's like we're putting money towards what? I majored in creative writing, I, <laughs> which did not make my parents happy at all. But clearly it worked out <laughs> right. for you. So it's... um. But here's the thing. If you look at what was specific about my English major, I believe it was British 20th century theater, which meant I was so going to make a fortune the moment I stepped out of college. <laughs> but I was just prepared for 1989. I'm saying my year I graduated. Yeah. I had to just take over the world just as the stock market crashed and just as everything happened. You know, it's going to be perfect. Um, Actually, I think stock market crashed two years before that. But it's... 87. 87, yeah. yeah. I was actually on vacation with my friends. Our car had broken down. They went to get make a call because no cell phones. They came back with a newspaper, and there was Black Monday written across the thing. I was like, oh, there goes my college tuition. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it really does mm, depend on the person, and I do like that. I do like that it's a series of poems. I Admittedly, if I kept getting the same poem, then I'd probably be a little concerned because it's like, okay, none of the others are hitting. But um, I would be honest if there was one poem I kept getting from, I, I would I would say right now. But no, it's it's actually across the board, which is nice, and across several books. And do you find that there is a a, a typical kind of? I mean, even if it's about and I, I I'm just this is legitimately just curiosity on my part because I obviously I mean I tend to hear from a lot of people who work in in rescue or who have themselves rescued a special needs cat. So and and which makes sense because of the the type of writing that I do and the kinds of stories that I tell. Um and I'm just wondering if if you find when people write to you even if they're writing about different poems if if there are similar like like themes or 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 you know, topics of the emails that they send to you, do they tend to write to you? I mean, I I'm not sure exactly what I'm looking for here, but I'm just curious to hear, I guess, what other cat writers hear from their from their readers. I what what I get in addition to you know the cat is a very important member of the family. I also get you know my cat drives me nuts, but I love her. I love him, and I also get it's like you know I often think like what is going through my cat's mind. So you know these poems I help because I I myself I'll get stories about how people will make up stories about their cats while they're looking at them because they're trying to figure what's going to the mind. So this is something I think we all do. In addition to creating songs that essentially just involve the word cat until the cat just walks out of the room because it says I can't hand it anymore. I, I do it, that all the time. I substitute oh, yeah. the word kitty for baby in songs, <laughs> like, like continually to the point that my cats, if they could talk, I believe would be under the impression that that Motown <laughs> it, it was a, a label dedicated to cats and cat lovers i think would be their impression there i would do that too i would do it where i realize i've done an entire song but i've just used the word kitty or cat right you, so basically it should be you are the kitty who is always kitty, kitty, <laughs> kitty cat, you know and uh try to guess the generation from each other. right <laughs> um, but yeah it's and that's what it is. I think it's a lot of people talk about their communication with their cat, how they try to figure out the cat, how the cat they find both amazingly bizarre and yet very relatable. And I think that's what it is with the cats because, you you know, at one point you go, like, I, what are you doing? Why are you hanging upside down like that for two hours? But on the other hand, it's sort of, we all do strange things. Well, you know, you look at a cat, like, what could they be looking out that window for so long? But how many times, you know, you're a writer as well. Have you realized, oh, I've been staring out, the, out this window, not at anything, but into the middle distance for 25 minutes. Sure. So it's, uh, I think that's what it is. It's more how people have a conversation with their pet. 
Do you and ever get do, whether out loud or, or in our head? We all do. No, absolutely. I, I'm wondering if you ever hear from people who are angry that you make cats sound, you know, you make it seem like cats aren't loving or or that they're kind of jerks. Um, if, if you ever get people, who, but really, if you ever get emails from people who are like my cat is very sweet and, you know, people who are very, who skew very earnest and perhaps don't like or, or don't appreciate that you are kind of letting the air out of some of that earnestness when it comes to our pets. Does that, do you ever find that that irritates I, some readers? I actually haven't. I mean, this sounds like I'm being self-defense. There are a lot of poems that actually do stress the love with a cat and everything. Sure. So in case it isn't like asshole, the book, you know, <laughs> but, um, but I think, and I didn't get that with the dogs either, but the dogs is a different kind of a pro. By the way, if you want to hear Long Island, hear me say the word dog. But if I, I heard it when you said Long Island, oh yeah, it's just going to get worse. Long Island. I, you know, the, I'm going to hit every word with er with precision, so I don't get you know. This is why I went to Duke. I went as far south as I can to balance it out. Ah, um, although that that also, southern accent is also a non what 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 linguists refer to as a non rhotic accent, which means that those R's, like like in a Southern accent, you also tend to get the elision of the R's at the end of words. So you, you don't get that er sound. That, that much like in Long word. Island, where you also don't get as much of the, uh, you know, the, the, the long R's, you know? So. Oh, I feel like I'm back home. This has been fun with accents. <laughs> Join me as I take you with Gwen to Dix Hills, Long Island, for the joy <laughs> that is the Walt Whitman Mall, because we know how to honor our literary greats. You know, my, um, my, my dad is from Long Island, so that that's that's where I picked up that accent. And uh, I, I think we're, I mean, on Long, we're on Long Island. Uh, you know, I'd see, and, I, and I'm bad. I always forget. He moved when he was 12, so he did not. You know, it wasn't like he he had all kinds of stories about his crazy days back in Long Island. Most of those were from Miami. Um, I'm I'm gonna say Nassau. Okay, I'm gonna say Nassau. I could be wrong. Oh, the Emory of the uh, County <laughs> from Long Island. Okay, that, <laughs> is that is that so? Not the Duke of Suffolk, but you know, but the. Uh... I will, I, I will, I will tell you. It it did come in handy once. I when back in the '90s when I was still living in Miami. And I was, I don't know, driving somewhere and I was in an incredible hurry because I'm always in a rush. And I, so I was I was going well above the speed limit is the point. And a cop pulls me over. Like, Damn it. And I roll down the window. He comes over and, and he's pure Long Island. He says, where are you going in such a hurry? And I said, what are you, a cop? <laughs> and, and he laughed <laughs> and I didn't get the ticket. So. You got the secret handshake. <laughs> exactly. He said, you from Long Island? I said, no, but my father is. You know, I, I, I tried to keep the accent going, you know, so you yeah, think no, you're you know, Paisan. It's actually pretty solid. Yeah. It's, Thank you. Uh, Thank you. I mean, in an extended conversation, it would for sure begin to slip. But for right. the length of time that it required to get out of a speeding ticket, it was I was OK. <laughs> when I used to go to college, which now you've mentioned is Duke. So I just keep saying that word. But when I used to. <laughs> And then I would come back for, say, winter break. And by the way, Long Islanders are lovely people. This is just a particular area. I'm just saying a particular accent. <laughs> Nothing in regards to that. Uh, by the way, does that sound like someone who wants to sell books? Everyone is wonderful. Um, <laughs> especially you, listener. But... <laughs> But when I would come back, there's nothing wrong with pandering, by the way. Authors have oh, to no, pander. No. I mean, I, I I personally never do. I've managed to maintain my integrity throughout the, you know, extent of my as an Emory grad. Chez, well, it was, it, it was really degree. drilled into us at Emory. But I understand that, you know, at other schools, things like principle and integrity are not emphasized as as much and i mean i'm, I'm just saying chez the bottom feeding ass dragging <laughs> aspect of i'm, I'm kidding the people but by you know. the way <laughs> although i will say that I, I i i do not pander to my readers um i'm i'm lucky actually that we're all kind of sappy for animals in, in the same way so we we really i don't really have to pander to them we we are all kind of collectively joining the effort of of making ourselves less misunderstood to an uncaring a cat unfriendly general population um and i think that is actually the truth because you were saying before like i don't do the very lovey i mean there are poems that are essentially i mean this is love poems and it's by the way it cats but it is the importance of relationship and this is why i'm going to do my plug 
but it's when you first get your cat and they get used to you, then you have a long-term relationship. And near the end, when you do have to say goodbye. And I write that because that's also with people and various things. And that's how I can frame in the thought. But what I don't do with the books, because I think it actually robs cats of their personality and also of of their very sense of self, is I don't do cute or cutesy. Let me put it right. that way. Right. I'm, I'm not a particular fan of cutesy. And early on when we were doing photos and such for first book and Chronicle is absolutely fantastic. So this is in no regard. We're just trying to find a voice visually for a book. I would, you know, they'd say, how about these photos? And some of them were the cats wearing glasses or a tie. It's like, I can't. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. And we did, a, we did like a, um, like an audio kind of ad and I got it. I said, listen, this is lovely. Thank you. But someone's doing a, like a Pepe Le Pew French accent and I will die if we put this out there. <laughs> <laughs> so because i don't i think cats are beautiful i think cats are adorable i think, I think cats might be french actually now that i'm thinking about it i mean i don't know if i would want an ad for any of my books done you know with my cats with a peppy Le Pew accent but maybe maybe cats if they talked would sound french it does not seem i would impossible say to me I no no I would agree. First of all, at this point in in I mean cats they just have they, a very specific aesthetic. You know, they're they're very wedded to their taste. They they have a a when they want to, they can adopt a sort of, you know, cultural superiority, let's say an air of cultural superiority that might go pair nicely with that snooty, you know, Pepe Le Pew accent. Uh yeah, I mean I would think the cats would be Parisian French, which is what when you think of haughtiness as the someone who is from Paris or says they're from Paris, which means they could be in a 40 mile radius from Paris because the rest of the country is my mom went there several times because she was a fashion designer in the sixties to the Paris shows and such. And she said, yeah, it is a world of difference, just like anything else when there's a city and stuff. But yeah, I could see, I, I would agree with that. I don't know why I just went to this whole thing of Paris. And anyway, Paris, furthermore, let's talk about <laughs> the underground tunnels. Um, but yeah, I could certainly say what it is about cats is that they're, Cats generally seem to be comfortable with themselves. And sometimes I think that's what throws people off. And comfortable with yourself is not arrogance. Because the, the, the difference between confidence and arrogance is a wide chasm. I would agree. And so I think maybe that's it. I think also some people don't like cats because, and this has been said several times, but um, because they're not dogs. They're either, there's your Long Island accent again. We're just going to tie back to that. Uh, because dogs want that display of affection back. It is the general things. It's like, hey, you entered the room. You're the alpha. Hey, I love you. Um, right. And cats are extremely affectionate, just in a different manner. Sure. Just like, you know, if, you know, people are in relationships with various people throughout their lives, every relationship doesn't show love or affection the same way. It's the same as this. And I, my cats, if I sit down, they will sit on my lap. I've been very fortunate with the cats I've had because they've been highly affectionate. I know people whose cats are a little more standoffish, but they're just as loving. They just show it in a different manner. If I sit on my couch and try to eat anything on my coffee table, my cat Leela will jump on the armchair and she will constantly pat me on the head or on the shoulder until I move back so I can sit on my lap. I have a video of this where it's just she reaches out constantly and I decide how long can this go? And the video hit a half hour. It's like, okay, now I'm just filming myself. This is bizarre. I've got to do something else with my life. <laughs> now you're just filming yourself eating, which is yeah, like a, a, a weird kind of ritualistic thing to do. Yeah, it's sort of a bizarre fetish video for me. And that's just right. weird at that point. <laughs> but yeah, I think, um, so to answer your question that you might have asked uh, four and a half hours ago is when I started this rambling thing. Um, you're here to ramble. It's okay. You no, please, but, please get it. ramble apace. <laughs> But as I said, I don't like the cutesy aspect, and I think the readers do appreciate that. I've never gotten someone say, how could you do this about cats? I I tend to, I draw comic strips, and my favorite comic strip growing up was Peanuts. So I do a lot of Peanuts adver satires with strips, because I think you should only satirize the things you love. Otherwise, the humor is cold and curdled and removed, and you don't know enough to be what you're talking about. Well, that's and it. So it's always affectionate. It, it's always, and it comes from a place of affection. Um, yeah. So, but I would get people, it's like, why do you hate this strip? It's like, I don't. This strip is one of the most important things in my life to me because it's what made me want to become, do a comic strip. And so 
I think if you're going to be true to what you're writing, you can't do some sort of hagiographic, this is all lovey and dovey, because then essentially you have one thing to say, isn't this sweet? Um, I had uh, a follow book of 60 poems of isn't this sweet. I would kill myself. No, I, I would agree with all of the above. And, and I also think that, you know, there, I mean, there's a difference between sent. I mean, what, what I always say, and, and I don't use the word cutesy as such, but it, what I will always say about my writing is that I, there is a difference between sentiment and sentimentality, you know, and sent, yes, by I, sentimentality, I mean like schmaltz, like that really gooey cutesy, um, which some people are into and and there are books and and art for for such you know for people who like that who it, it's just not my thing i mean but again also like it's a very cultural thing for me like like to sort of you're always half complaining about whatever it is you love the most i actually you know my my most my, my last traditionally published book it came out a few years ago it's called uh, my life in a cat house and it is, you know, it's my life in a cat house, uh, true tales of love, laughter and living with five felines is the subtitle. So so it's probably self-explanatory. But I mean, the stories certainly take on, you know, it, the, the stories are not about and my cat was wonderful and perfect and did nothing at all irritating the end. You know, you, it's, it's hard <laughs> to stretch that book length. Um and, you know, a lot of what I write about is is the process by which I came. My, my cats and I have come to understand and accept each other and our quirks and and flaws over the years. But I did see one, there was one Amazon review, I think of the book that that said something to the effect that the reader was offended that I, I seemed to be insulting toward cats or, or I did nothing but complain <laughs> about my hands. And I'm like, first I'm like, Oh my God, you, you did not grow up in the house I grew up in. If you think that's complaining, <laughs> if you think this is complaining, Never come to a family gathering. Oh, we we do put the. I mean, I was going to say, like we the, the word fetch could be the middle name, arguably, of anyone in my family, and that includes my husband, by the way. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, again, I'm sorry, I'm like I'm like joke telling today. Sure. There's an old joke. I I love this. Uh, I think it's perfect. Uh, a, a waiter, uh, a waiter is um working at a resort in the Catskills. You know, one of those old, you know, the right. Jewish resorts. Comes up to a table where, where two little old Jewish women are saying, comes over and says, ladies, is anything okay? <laughs> <laughs> Which just seems like, yeah. That's, uh, that's actually, that's I very, really very like much. that because that joke comes up short, shorter than you think it is. It just kind of right. comes actually, I do like that joke. You have um, to. Uh, I'm not sure I, I nailed the timing in this delivery, but it is all about that. All about the timing. No, and it's, it's funny we're talking about this and we're going to go off on attention. My mom... She worked in the uh, fashion in the 60s and 70s, you know, so uh, the Schmata business yes. in New York. So she learned a lot of Yiddish. My mom is, as far as we can tell, because it was during a time in Portugal when you couldn't be, unfortunately, uh, my mom is half Jewish. But so, A Murano. Uh, I'm sorry? Um, a, a possibly a Murano. Muranos were Jews oh. who converted to Catholicism, although, you know, secretly... Or at least we're often accused of still secretly practicing their Judaism. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. So uh, I learned a lot of Yiddish words. My mom has taught herself more Yiddish because, you know, she she finds languages. I mean, she, she speaks six languages. So any language she can learn, she'll want to do. But I don't know where I was going with this. But <laughs> we're talking about complaining. People. Oh, no, we're talking <laughs> about the joke. Um, I really actually had a point here. If there's a point where you want to edit anything on this podcast, it'd be this, including me <laughs> saying, hey, if there's any point where you want to edit anything. Now, now we're getting very meta. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's but, just... No, it was honestly to the point of that joke, and I can't... It'll come back to me at three in the morning. It, it will. Fantastic. Please don't, don't <laughs> call me when it no, does. But it, it, you occasionally, someone will go, but that's not pristine and that's not perfect and right. no it isn't and that's perfectly fine every relationship anyone will be in at one point you or the other person will go they, they, they drive me nuts and that does not mean they hate you and that does not mean that they don't love you and that does not mean there isn't any affection but in any point if you spend any day every day with someone eventually whatever was adorable maybe several months ago was going oh god please stop Will will become less so for for sure, yeah. you and know. Then it becomes funny because you can make jokes of it because there's no animosity behind it. 
Well, I think it's, you know, again, it's, it's always the, I think one of the reasons for me as a writer, why relationships with cats are actually interesting to explore um, is because they are not as, and, and I grew up with dogs, but it's almost like relationships with dogs are almost more templated in a way I, I have found than relationships with cats. And again, it's not a question of better or worse as a lived experience. Um, but I remember years ago, and this was like a couple of years after Homer's Odyssey came out. So it was, it was especially irritating. There was this whole article in, in Slate dot com. I don't know if you're familiar with them or if you read Slate. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, just like an online magazine. And um about why, you know, about how there could never be a best selling memoir written by a woman about her cat. And I mean, I was like, I mean that is I a actually, very strange premise. Well, right. And I was like, I mean, I, I actually did exactly that <laughs> like two years ago. <laughs> like if you Googled, you know, New York Times bestseller and cat. And there were others. I was not the only one. I mean, this was also after the Dewey book came out. Um, there's a woman named Helen Brown who lives in England, and and you or, or certainly some of my listeners are probably familiar with her and a series of memoirs that, that she has written about cats, uh, some of which I'm pretty sure have been New York Times bestsellers, um, certainly bestsellers in the UK. And whatever. It was it was a stupid article. Um, I I wrote a you know, a a uh a, a, a what's the word I'm I'm looking for? I wrote a spirited retort. Um, which <laughs> which is published in in the Huffington Post, um, but wow. but even just the the premise, you know, the idea that there's something sad about women writing about cats or or whatever, which was stupid. But I just feel as a, as a writer, I almost feel like there's more there there's more of a of a fertile plane of material, let's say, in relationships with cats because they are a little bit more mysterious than dogs because they are less in the business of trying to please you because there it is going to be more of the inevitable tension of adjustment i think um involved in learning to live with a not even cats in general but with a specific cat than i found there to be with dogs um and so there you know but i i think a lot of what people sometimes perceived as complaint or i mean and this is just based on one reviewer by the way so i shouldn't even necessarily speak plural although i always They're dead to me and i get <laughs> right i mean i do always assume and you know that anybody who leaves any comment represents some larger number of people who feel the same way and just didn't bother to write it down um but i i feel like like those you know those those frisions are what make it interesting to write about cats in the first place. Is is my point? Um, the things that somebody might see as complaints. I it's never a question of complaining, but it is certainly noting the, the those points of frisson that I think are unique to our relationships with cats. I know. I completely agree. I think um, one that was a very strange article. <laughs> I, I'm not even sure. You, you can Google that. it when this is over. You you will. Uh, no, I'm doing will, it right yeah. now. No, but it was a very it's it's a very strange premise. So a couple of things with cats is one there is the mysteriousness that is just superficial in that unlike dogs, cats don't have the working eyebrows or at least the fig eyebrows, so they don't have the That's facial true. expressions where automatically you can read an emotion or a thought. It is a sort of placid face that you actually i think part of with the cat is that you have to meet them at least halfway to come to have the conversation or thought of the connection it's not that they're removed it's just that they're not giving it to you all in one shot like a dog will often do although i will say my cat clayton has really mastered a look of of kind of earnest indignation like like accusation that he will like a are, are you just gonna let this happen you know kind of face <laughs> that that he turns I, to me with an alarm degree of frequency like stop it with stop accusing me how, how did everything come to this like, like it's very like shakus you know <laughs> just, <laughs> just pointing with a paw I'm trying to, right like i'm just trying to live my life dude you know i'm just watching tv eating a sandwich what do you want from me they're just a cat looking so this is what you do huh this is what gets you out of bed yeah, exactly um, not just me but it, no, I mean, one one of my cats, Kiki, has the most relaxed expression possible. I mean, uh -huh. if if there was a stoner expression, this would be this is half lidded, just just remarkably relaxed, and she is, by all accounts, a remarkably. If you stay around for her, she will sit on strangers' lap. She's very adorable. She's very affectionate. Uh -huh. Lilo's very affectionate in a different way, but Lilo's eyes are essentially saucers. So Lilo 
always looks like the dowager staring at you because you used the wrong fork at dinner. <laughs> See, my cat Fanny has very round eyes, but she just always looks startled. Like, what the? Yeah. You know, she oh, always yeah. has a like, what the? Kind yeah, of it's either startled, aghast, or mortified. <laughs> right. And she could be looking at you with do you routinely love, use it, the but do you routinely use in a inappropriate cutlery? I mean, again, I'm I'm I have to assume if you went to Duke that there's a fair possibility you used forks to scratch your back. Oh yeah, I'm just eating with my feet. The, yeah, you know right, I mean, so, <laughs> I just no, want to be I sure. Just, <laughs> I mean, apparently I just found this out. You're supposed to cook the meat. Ah, but, interesting. Uh, <laughs> So when we look back on this conversation, please note how well I handled the Duke. I, I'm so, I really do want to apologize. I said nothing of ill repute <laughs> about Emery. I wonder about. That. I wonder if that says something about the Duke <laughs> mentality overall. If it says about sort of center class level and how one handles themselves in a conversation, just throwing out there. I don't think I like where you're going with this. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's back to me eating meat with my feet. Okay, I see how this is. <laughs> Touché. No, 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 no. I edit my podcast and everything you just said is not making it to air. <laughs> no, I, I actually, uh, I would never, if, if somebody lands a, a, a fair counterpoint to something that I've said, I, as a matter of principle, do not edit such things out. Because um, as we Emory people know, we, <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we aspire to a higher standard is, uh, all I'm saying. I, I do, by the way, want to apologize. Certainly anybody listening to this who might have gone to Duke, it, it's it, an enviable and amazing institution. And and I really, really am just kidding. Um, she is sending me the most hateful texts about Duke as she is saying <laughs> you are not. I'm kidding. That was a complete joke. <laughs> I mean, that would make you kind of a snitch if that were true. You know, like Dukes are, right? Because that's what they do, right? That's the, I mean, like 80% Duke is in the witness protection program, right? Because they don't know how to keep their mouth shut. No, although I, I, I will tell you, and, and this again is a, a callback to my father from Long Island. Um, Long you know, Island. I, mean, I, have, I have a younger sister. And, you know, I mean, younger sisters can be, ta- you know, y- younger siblings can be tattletales. Like, like they definitely, they're they're more of a direct conduit to right. the parents, um, specifically the mother. You know, my, the point being, my sister used to, like, tell on me to my mother, uh, which drove me crazy. So I tried it once, telling on my sister to my father. And my dad just looked at me and shook his head. He goes, kid, no one likes a squealer. <laughs> and it was actually some of the best advice anyone ever gave me. To this day, I am always mindful of the fact that nobody likes a squealer. No, it is uh, it, it is an important lesson, but also because you had already assumed the role that you don't do that. So you didn't play into the role. If right. your sister was doing that, he probably was not saying to you, because that was the role. That's Whereas okay. I well, think- in families, it, it, it often, I mean, you, people like it, they're, they're, these narratives spring up about who's like what and who plays what role you know, within the family dynamic. You're the quiet one. You're the loud one. And if exactly. You up, they don't know what to do. But it's like I we have so many other things to do, including raising you two. Just 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 fit into a market. <laughs> just, just just be consistent. Just, just yeah, I mean, come on. Come on. Do, do what we're used to you doing. Thing. Just keep doing it all the time. <laughs> exactly. Even if it's whining. I know <laughs> it's coming from you. It's perfectly perfect. <laughs> so how many cats are you currently living with? I'm uh two. They are sisters. They uh I got them. Eight years ago in January, they will be nine. Oh, it's so sad to hear a number like that. In July, uh, oh, my cats you know are when you well, early choose their birthday. You know, it's like okay, you do the little math, and I always try to do one that I can remember that's kind of close. So they are uh, Independence Day Eve, so the July third. Uh, the the two cats I had before, I always remembered. I did the math. It's like oh, it's the Ides of May. It's not quite as menacing as the Ides of March, so it's perfectly. <laughs> It's really um, like a springtime menace. Yeah, you know, but it's it's there. Are, there are no knives involved. It works out fine. And yeah, they I, I live with them. They get along very well. When people come in, they get them. A, to me, they it's very obvious which one's which. To other people, it's like it's a little confusing. There are physical telltale signs, but they do look similar. They are large, not in the way of weight. They are long, tall cats, and they're just black and white cats. There's not any special breed. I but love I like, hey, tuxedo yeah. cats. Yeah, they're tuxedo cats. And then um, it was funny because when everything tuxedo cats, I think more of the markings of like Sylvester the cat. Whereas right. this always seems like moo cat, you know, like cow, but, like cow kitties. They yeah, have like the big, kitties. like like the big black spots. Yeah. And yeah. it's weird because they think, oh, these look like normal cats. And then I see other people's cats. It's like, oh, God, my cat's like twice as long as this thing. 
And um, but they so when they sit on the lap, they uh, they just assume full control of your legs. And right before <laughs> I got on this podcast, because I was sitting on the couch, I was trying to do a cup thing, trying to have breakfast after being tapped on the head repeatedly. And I started to get up and Leela was not happening. And then I began to realize, I think I'm going to walk with this cat still on my lap, just holding on by her nails. And that's going to be a very <laughs> painful experience. So this this interview almost started with me just screaming in pain. And I Well, think I'm it, glad that it did not. I, I, honestly, if I had a nickel for every interview on this podcast that started with a guest just screaming in pain. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of a podcast are you running? Uh, I, I, a fair question. You know what, but I think you have your marketing campaign. <laughs> Even more agonizing for you to listen to than it was for the guest to record it. Don't forget to tune in. Yeah. <laughs> tune in for the primal scream that is. <laughs> Curl over the cattail with Gwen Cooper. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> well, listen, I, I'm going to give you an opportunity now to promote your books once again and let people know where they can find you on social media, where they can find your website, um, anything upcoming that you might want to let them know about. And with profound thanks, by the way, for for your having come to oh, uh, to bail fun. me out today. Oh, um, but yes, please. Fun. Please tell us where we can find more about you, your work, your books, pictures of your cats, etc., on the World Wide Web. Well, I will say it in my clearly monosyllabic Duke manner because polysyllabic <laughs> words escape our grasp, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my recent book is Oh, It's You, Love Poems by Cats. Uh, even if this podcast is coming out, it makes a great belated Valentine's Day gift, given the, when those podcasts may come out. But if it comes out right before, it'll be before Valentine's Day. And so that's actually a fair point. Perfect Valentine's Day. gift. In fact, we always intended for this to be the Valentine's Day show. And that's why you, the author of a book about love poems by cats are here with us today. Yes. I'm just going to have to go back and like edit everything to make it. You know what? If we had started with that, we would have had it. We would have. Why? You know, (laughs) I mean, I can't blame you for not having thought about it earlier. Again, it's, um, you know, the remedial education that you received, but I'm real. I'm so sorry. I can't stop myself. It's a sickness. I was going to say, now it's just, you know, you can rub those sticks all together. You're never going to make a fire. Duke people are unable to survive (laughs) out in the wilderness or even in the mall. I don't know how you breathe and walk at the same time. I, I, um, my brain is a little bit broken, I should say, right now. Like between the stress oh, of like the Emory grad and, themselves. and the COVID. I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, now you're stooping to my level. But anyway, I, yes, please. I, I, oh, oh, it's you. Love poems by cats. I oh, think it's, it's actually an excellent suggestion for a Valentine's Day gift if you are still looking for something for the cat lover in your life. And uh, if you also have a curious Valentine's Day, there's also I could pee on this and other poems by cats, which makes a gift. I really shouldn't have phrased it that way, but makes a uh, this is the part. Any water sports enthusiast. Oh, for the love of God. You know, at Emory, at Duke, we treat ourselves in a certain manner, but uh, no. Uh, (laughs) But there is uh, I could pee on this. And also, if you happen to be one of those people who likes cats and dogs. There's, you could chew on it. I could chew on this. Yeah, now I sound I made the second person because this is a bright lights, big city. It's all in the second person. So <laughs> I could chew on this and other poems by dogs. Um, I can. I uh, have a Facebook. I have an author Facebook, Francesco Marcelliano author, which, yes, it is as long to type as you can imagine. Uh, I have a site, which is medium-large.com. Uh, my Instagram is fmarcelliano. I think that's my threads as well and the sporadic time that I look at it. And uh, yeah, TikTok, same thing. F. Marcelliano, I'm I'm out there. I I can be found. I'm not in hiding. I guess with the shame of other Duke people, but I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> well, the main I'm, thing is, I've taken the ball. I that you that you did. I did this, and yet I'm making fun of me. I'm doing the self-effacing. You are. You are. You yeah. See? You 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 you've mastered this. I guess that's the. The villainy of the Emory grad, I guess, the Machiavellian <laughs> the, technique of it. Yes, it, it's sort of an evil genius university. We 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 churn yeah. out a fair share of doctor. One of evil those words, types. evil or genius, I'll choose the one right. I think. You know, but, uh, <laughs> well, you're half right. I think is what you're going for. <laughs> I, yeah, I, let me spell it out for you as a Duke person, Chez. Let me walk you through your own statement. Can uh, you but, spell? It, that, I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I I really don't know what's gotten into me. I I feel like like my inner insult comic is 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 struggling. This is, 
to rise to the fore. I do Going apologize back to, to you listeners. Say the Catskill, the Bush Belt kind of feel the Don Rickles aspect of everything right now. Yeah, it's uh, oh, you're going all in. And you would think the Italian side would pick up. No, but it's the Portuguese side. The Portuguese, it's a hard word, people. The Portuguese <laughs> side of me is where they're kind of quiet. Right. And yeah. It's, it's, oh, now I remember, because I'm going to tie this in. Remember the joke that you said earlier? It's like, is there, what was it? Is there anything else to complain? The waiter? What, uh, the waiter? No. Ladies, is anything all right? Yeah, is it anything was the right? punchline. Yes. So here, I'm going to tie this in, in a way that doesn't make sense whatsoever. But here we go. Oh, it's you. Love Poems by Cats. Available now wherever books are sold. I'm going to put another plug in quickly. Um, in Portugal, you know, and say, how are you? You know, various ways of greeting. The Portuguese way of greeting is tabe. Tabe. Okay. And that means you're good, which is wonderful because it's short-circuiting everything. You're good, right? I don't right. need to hear this. That's it. We're done here, right? And <laughs> Sounds a little passive-aggressive to me. <laughs> it's, it's beautifully so. It's like, you're good? It's like, because they, they're they not the biggest sharers. And it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. It's But have you ever asked anyone, how are you? And they start giving you an answer and you go, oh, dear God, no? Routinely. <laughs> yes, so Portugal has found a way around that is what I'm saying. Right. That's it. Because it, it, you, you basically have to build a whole culture. But I have to know, how are you doing? And you get that, oh, it's like, oh, God. <laughs> well, then I, I think the, the moral of that story is perhaps I should spend more time in Portugal. Um, Portugal is, is, what I'm, is what I'm taking away from that. It's actually Portugal is a beautiful country. I would love to spend more time there. But that that is a subject for... A different podcast at another time. Um, but f- <laughs> for now, I really thank you so much, uh, Francesco, oh, for, for being so on the show today. And again, I really do. Those of you who are listening who may not have yet picked up, oh, it's you love poems by cats. And I'm not just saying that because Francesco is here. It, it is a delightful book. Um, absolutely a great idea for a Valentine's Day gift for the cat lover in your life. If you have not already picked something up for them. And yeah, again, get two things. They deserve two things. Get them something else. Uh, get, you could also get them another Francesco Martigliano book, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> get them get them the whole library. Get them the collection. Um, there you go. <laughs> they, they, perfect. Um, Francesco, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. And thanks so much to all of you for listening. Don't forget to join us next week for another all new episode. And that concludes this episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tail with Gwen Cooper. Don't forget to invite your feline-loving friends to listen to new episodes along with you. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, find out how to get your name and your cat's name included in my next book, or leave comments or questions for me to answer in future podcasts, head on over to GwenCooper.com now. Thanks so much for joining me, and don't forget to hug your cat today.